When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Friends from Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This podcast is hosted by me, Kyle Sconowell, and my longtime friend, Robbie Earl. Robbie, it has officially been a week since we've talked about WandaVision. Do you feel a gaping hole in your heart like I do? <laughs> I mean, of course. Of course. How could I not? It's been I so strange. I need something to fill it. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, we, we had this long gap where we had finally grown accustomed to no new MCU content. And then, you know, in the span of, what, nine weeks, we've already gotten spoiled all over again. Maybe more than ever before, right? Because we've never had weekly installments of new MCU right. content like that. So, yeah, it is. It's funny that even with this just being, you know, a two-week break, uh, it's <laughs> it has felt long to the point that, you know, I've found myself, uh, it, it works out because sometimes with the work that I do, um, with, you know, Candace and I both can sort of just put movies on in the background. And yesterday we just, I, I think, had like four or five different Marvel movies <laughs> <laughs> play in the background while we were, while we were both working from home. Uh, which, you know, any was, ones in particular or just kind of random? So I let Candace pick at least to start with and then sometimes whichever one <laughs> played uh kind of informed the next choice right like if it's set up a particular movie uh so we start with dr sure. strange because that's one oh. of candace's favorites man she loves dr strange she she this is like her soapbox she talks about it all the time and you know <laughs> in fairness after we'll we'll talk about this later but after this most recent watch it popped up a few notches on my rankings list i've been coming oh. around more to dr strange in, in recent days I remember that episode. You were pretty average on Doctor Strange, if yeah, I remember right. You know, I think I'm not going to go too far into this here, but I think I, it's it's interesting because at the time, and we've we've made a lot of jokes about this, and we had Kyle Cousins on that day, and yeah. we all made the joke about how Doctor Strange is sort of the epitome of the formulaic one that it's sort of like Iron Man with magic. But what I think we maybe we talked about how great Tilda Swinton's performance was. But mm -hmm. one thing I think maybe we undersold about that movie is how interesting the plot thread is of her having been taking power from the dark dimension. Mm. Like you know, like I think we we sort of just jumped over yes. that. But that really does change. Like that's a different dynamic, and and I think it sets up an interesting even even in terms of what that says about how Doctor Strange thinks about his role. And, right. and even what that means for, like, that character and the decisions he makes in Infinity War. So I, I I, do feel like that was undersold a bit. That she was willing to dive into some of the dark things in the gray area for the greater good. Yeah, that's fair. I think we undersold that. I, you know, so Annika and I are doing a very slow rewatch, different than you. It's like a dedicated, not in the background <laughs> type thing. Right, but it's right. we're slowly going through it. By the way. I mean, I never rewatch anything else. I mean, and somehow Marvel has just gotten this perfect system where every time they put out a new show, all it does is make me want to go watch the other 22 movies as if like, right. as if that's like, you know, <laughs> it is just <wild>. casual. <laughs> it's 22 movies. Right. It's not like a second you just quick do it. And yet I do it all the time. Anyways, we just finished Civil War and it only reminded me how much I love that movie. That yeah. movie 
never gets worse. It gets better for me. And so that's actually going to be a perfect tie-in to our The Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, hype coming up here in a second. Oh, true. A lot of Falcon and Winter Soldier in Civil War. Yeah, and a lot in the Legends episodes that we'll be talking about at the end of this episode. Mm. And honestly, a lot of WandaVision, too. So, like, that's the fun thing about Ultron and Civil War is uh-huh. both that show and this, they reference a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I, I think I thought the same the same thing watching these, and, and we had the same conversation about the Legends there. Like, I, I feel like if there's one thing you and I have harped on over and over again, it's how much we enjoy Age of Ultron and Civil War specifically for kind of the long-term consequences they have. And I like that this is two shows in a row or, or, you know, just two MCU productions in a row that are really mining that era in particular. Yeah. And Infinity War and Endgame. That's what I love. It's taking those four main events and making Mm -hmm. them even bigger deals. Um, You know, I was reflecting on WandaVision this last week. And I actually can't wait to go rewatch the whole thing. Hmm. But before I do that, it needs to have some space to be truly rewatchable. You know, like you can't do it a week later because you're still in that mindset. But I think one thing I undersold last week is just how much of an effect this is going to be on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The fact that it's TV. I know that sounds like on the surface, the fact that this was a weekly show doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but it's crazy how much it changes for me. First of all, when I sat down to rank this, it's really hard because this spanned nine weeks, which is different um, than just a movie that you watch. It's also a different, it's longer to go back and rewatch. You also got a few hours longer than a movie worth of content, but also you had to wait every week. And that does fundamentally change it. It changes how you talk about it. It changes what you think about because you have to wait six more days. And it also allows us to fill the gaps in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, both plot-wise and time-wise for us. Because back in the day, we were getting three movies a year, which is amazing. Think about that, three movies a year. But Mm -hmm. now they're going to be on a pattern of getting three or four movies a year plus three or four shows a year that take up eight weeks at a time. So we're kind of entering the era where we'll almost never not have something to watch. And that's just like fundamentally different. Yeah, I, I, it is interesting to see. And, and I think Falcon Winter Soldier, because it looks like these episodes will be longer and I mean, and, and obviously different in format just because it's string from the sitcom thing that WandaVision held to for so long. I, I think that we'll be almost in a better position after that to to tell kind of what this is going to look like in general. But it is, yeah, it's totally, it's totally different because I feel like I've been sitting in this relationship between Wanda and Vision now. I mean, for two right. months, because we have been. And well, think that- about that. Like, no matter how good Black Widow does of telling her story, and it mm-hmm. absolutely could be unbelievable, it's going to be a two-hour deal, and then you're done. Right. You're not sitting with it for nine weeks. That is so fundamentally different. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, what I was reflecting on, uh, you mentioned something like this in the episode, and I don't think it, it fully hit until I was thinking again this week, but it's so it's so smart of them. Everyone thought that Wanda Maximoff was like a, a full-fledged character, right, moving into this. I, I mean, right. people could argue yep. there wasn't enough space here and there, or like not enough runtime, but I don't, it, it's, it's just genius because what I don't think anyone was thinking coming into this, or at least I was not thinking, was like, oh, this is going to be Wanda's origin story. Like, I thought it might be that and that it gives us some background, right? Like the same way that Black Widow might give us background into Natasha. And we talked about that a lot after episode eight. But after episode nine, after the finale, it's just such a smart thing to do because like we're living with this character that we already think is kind of like, you know, the optimal version of the character, like what we've talked about. Like we already felt like she had her becoming the superhero moment. And it's just, yeah, we just had the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> right, yeah. And I just, you know, it's it, it reminds me to a way larger degree, but it's it's the same way I kind of 
like I didn't, I never thought with Tom Holland's Spider-Man that we hadn't really gotten enough of his spider sense. But then by taking that movie to kind of show that fully forming, like him, him really learning how to utilize that power. And we've talked about how much we love that specific scene in Far From Home. It's like, it's something I didn't know that I needed. And now I can't imagine not having had it. And it's like WandaVision is that, you know, to the nth degree for, for Wanda, obviously. But yeah, just something that I was, I really enjoyed and I think is really going to end up making me feel similarly about this show to the way that I, I maybe feel about kind of seminal moments for our other main characters. Like maybe the reason why I, I love Cap 1 and the original Iron Man so much, like some of these kind of formative moments. It, it's kind of the Rogue One thing that I always talk about. It's that the original Star Wars trilogy was already so good and viewed as like almost perfect to so many people. Mm -hmm. And so you didn't think you could get more. And then they made Rogue One and it made all those better. That's kind of the same thing. Same thing. Like I didn't know I needed more from Wanda and then I got it. I'm like, gosh, what would my life have been like had I not gotten WandaVision? Yeah. No, it it enhanced it so much. And and I think, yeah, it's it's that and it's it's even a twist further because I think that's what I hope Black Widow is. But, you know, we've talked about this. With Black Widow, we know the end of her story still. I mean, barring any yeah, kind of crazy true, post-credit true. scenes here. But, like, here, I, I really thought that what we were going to be getting was at most kind of a, a wrapping up of the things that had come before. You know, like, I thought we would get more insight into her past, probably. And then I thought that we would kind of get a, a bow tied on her and Vision's relationship. But I love that they took advantage of the fact that they've got a long open runway with this character. And instead of just sort of like leaving her in a nice little spot, or I even thought, you know, potentially kind of getting ready to usher her off, even though we knew she was going to appear in some level on Doctor Strange. I love setting her up to be like such a bigger part, potentially, of this whole world. I just think... I guess in general, this this speaks to what I think the show did so well in that it was just so ambitious. And and before even talking about the quality of, of what came, because we've, I mean, we've already talked about that a ton anyway. I just think, like we've always said, like I, I love them taking these big swings and, mm. and going, I mean, go, you know, choosing some kind of like objectively risky, I think, directions and some kind mm-hmm. of, you know, weird premises and just running with it. And yeah, I mean, like going, you know, going for the imaginative thing instead of the easy thing. To kind of wrap up this part of the discussion, I just missed it. Like, it's hmm. weird. I I missed watching WandaVision this week. And in a way, WandaVision for me has kind of brought back like must see television on Friday nights. Marvel is going to be able to continue that, I think, throughout the year. But yeah, we went a year and a half or, you know, a little over a year without any kind of new Marvel content. And I think that's one of the reasons Endgame sat so heavy, you know, because you had all of that time to think about it. Right. Um, but I think I'm going to enjoy this new format that way. Like I was hesitant beforehand, but yeah using these shows to fill the gaps and tell stories that maybe weren't fully told yet on the big screen and yet still doing them in such a high quality big screen way, but making us wait each week. I think I'm all in now. Like it's going to be weird to not have it like this week, not having one thing all of a sudden one week feels like a long time. Right. Um, whereas I just came off a year, you know, and by the way, to answer your Falcon, the winter soldier thing, um, my understanding is that Kevin Feige said that the shows are going to kind of fall into one of two categories, one being like WandaVision, where it's more 30 to 35-minute episodes, hmm. and there's a few more of them, or like six 50-minute to one-hour-ish episodes like Falcon Winter Soldier. So mm-hmm. Falcon the Winter Soldier, I think, will take up less physical time as far as it's only going to span six weeks, maybe even five if they release two at one time. Who knows? Um hmm but longer episodes, which, like we said, is more fitting for this versus WandaVision. Um, Right. On Instagram, I put out a message telling people that we were going to record today 
And I asked, is there anything we missed from WandaVision? Like, let's talk about it. And so I got a few comments from people. Do you mind if I bring some of those leftovers up? Yeah, come on. Let's do it. And by the way, whenever I do that, that's at the FFW podcast. And Robbie does that some too. Um, you can message us on there. And we're trying to keep up with those. And that's been really fun for us. Um, okay. Vision versus white vision. Somebody commented that white vision, while he now has the memories of vision, still would have had his programming to eliminate vision. And now he has just been made aware that in part he is vision. <laughs> right. So I just kind of love thinking through that lens. That's a good comment to me because that conflict in his brain now is maybe part of the reason he just took off and left. Mm-hmm. And we kind of brought that up, but I didn't think fully from the perspective of he kind of has to de- destroy himself now, or at least question everything he knows about his life, <laughs> which has only been a day old, but you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that's true. That's a good point because I, I don't know that, I don't know that we've been told enough to know how much of that programming would still be around and yeah, how that right. would inform his current identity. Like did Vision, when he gave him the memories, did that wipe his programming or does he still have that programming and now he's just wrestling with it? Yeah. Like, is he, is he aware of the story of, you know, our vision, but not necessarily embodying that story? Right. And then that kind of just ties back to what we talked about last episode. I have no idea what they're going to do with white vision. And that will be an interesting thing to track. Somebody else commented, one of my favorite comments, where were the other Avengers? Um, That's something we've brought up before, specifically in phase two a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember bringing that up in Iron Man 3, where it's like, well, this is feeling pretty intense. Like, you might want to just call Cap and see what he's doing. Um, So I kind of love that someone brought it up here, but I don't think I ever really felt that. Like, I was thinking about that, too, from the perspective of S.W.O.R.D., Um, should sort of reached a point where they're like, this is a bigger deal than I thought. Like maybe we should call more of the government or call Dr. Strange or something. And then from Wanda's perspective, are none of the Avengers close enough with her that they could at least talk to her? And then let me answer my own thought for a second. I would also (laughs) say though, I was thinking about that and thought, well, when we saw the creation of the hex, it all happened like pretty quickly and almost subconsciously. So, it's not like Wanda gave them a heads up. Hey, I'm going to go make right. a drive to my old house and then I'm going to break into grief and then I'm going to need rescuing from this. You know, right. they didn't have a lot of time to connect with her, I guess, is my answer to that. Well, and, you know, if you think about it, the people that might have been, I mean, one, even if Cap were still around, the last time he was kind of, I mean, you know, prior to the snap, he was a fugitive anyway. And so, I mean, technically, depending on, I mean, because we, we, I think this is what's going to be really interesting about Falcon, the Winter Soldier. It's why I'm getting more excited about that is, you know, we got these references here to the Sokovia Accords whenever like Hayward and Jimmy Woo were talking. So we know that even in spite of everything, those are still in play. So it stands to reason that, you know, Sam... And definitely Bucky would not be the kind of people that would be right. called in. But they're, you know, them and like Clint are the ones that Wanda has worked with before. Yep. So, so then it's like, well, okay, you're not going to call them. Clint, I would imagine, is just fully off the radar. And I mean, because again, again, even before the snap, he had retired and wouldn't be someone that that sword would be able to call. And if they did, he probably wouldn't be taking their call. And yeah, to your point, like Wanda, I don't know, ever would have had a moment when she would have like, why would she have ever thought to do that? Because it all just kind of happened. Like there wasn't like a conscious decision where she, it would have been one thing, right. If she was like, I'm going to take on this agency and I need friends. Right. Right. But that's not how it, how it went down, which I like again, because it made it all more personal. Well, and it would have taken a really specific Avenger, someone that had a relationship with Wanda to help her out on like an emotional level, which I don't know how many of those people are left besides Vision. Maybe Hawkeye, because he's had a conversation with her. Like you're saying, Falcon 
Bucky, probably not. They worked together, but we never got an indication they were like best buds. Right. Um, and then it also would take somebody with physical powers to get into the hex in the first place, we figured out. Right. Like, I don't know that Spider-Man can really help here. Yeah, and Ant-Man, same thing. The right. only person I could think of is Doctor Strange. But that not not that he has the relationship, but that he maybe would have the power to crack a hole in the hex to get in. Um, but then even once he gets in, would she be like, who is like, what is this? What, like, why, you know, maybe. Yeah. Well, cause we've never seen them even meet, you know I mean? Obviously they were both there at Tony's funeral, but that's the only, I mean that and the, the end game battle are the only times right. they've ever even, they've ever even been in the same place. But I also think like, and this is actually, this is a really interesting question because it's a little bit different than phase two in a, in a kind of exciting way because- yes. I know where you're going. Phase one ended, right, where we're like, well, now there's this thing that's established that's the Avengers that work with S.H.I.E.L.D., and it ends with Nick Fury saying, well, you know, next time we need them, we know to call them. And so then you're left asking every time there's some cataclysmic event, well, why isn't he calling them? But here, because of the events of Civil War, because of the events of Infinity War and Endgame, they're really, I mean, this is why Far From Home works so well. Yes there really isn't a group of people or even like any one person that- Or even really a facility. Yeah. They're still rebuilding it. Totally. Well, and and I think that's what's going to make, again, make Falcon Winter Soldier so interesting because in some ways, what Ross did by bringing in the Sokovia Accords and attempt to kind of rein these people in is he sort of eliminated- any kind of group that he can now count on. Because, I mean, Rhodey turned his back on that. Tony's gone. Vision's gone. So, like, and Spider-Man is a fugitive. So he's not, you know, like, these people that were kind of on that side at one point are nowhere to be found. And and I say all this to bring me back to Doctor Strange, who, like, Doctor Strange... He's the only one that's culpable, though, because we got that scene in Ragnarok where he is constantly on the lookout for beings of, you know, crazy power or whatever. And that's why he finds Loki. That's true. That's true. So if he's on watch, how, <laughs> that's why those memes come from. Like, how is right, he sleeping right. through this? Well, I, I think that that's something I, I was reading an interview with Matt Shackman where he was talking about the, the handoff between this and Captain Marvel two and WandaVision and Dr. Strange two specifically. And I, that, you know, it could be something that ends up being sort of plot holy, but I think that given the fact that those, he said that they were working, he was working a lot specifically with Sam Raimi and his team. And I, I would imagine that we find out Dr. Strange was either some, I mean, remember in Far From Home, he's, we're told that he's unavailable, right? Like whenever he asks Nick, and that could have either been a lie or or just him not knowing, but it could also mean that during this period he is in some other dimension or engaged in something where he then needs to yeah. come back and grab Wanda's help. So I think you are right. If I do, we, you know, we can't just assume that every other Avenger is ready and willing and available at all times. Right. They all have other things to do too. But and I, I would do, never use the word plot hole, by the way, for that. Well, yeah. No, I, I just think that it's, the, the If after Doctor Strange comes out, we never get an explanation for that, I think it's maybe valid to think, well, this feels like him like falling down on the job a bit. But I think to the extent we're thinking, well, why didn't, why didn't S.W.O.R.D. or someone call him in? I think it's just interesting to note that Doctor Strange has never identified as like a, a yeah. quote-unquote Avenger. Like I don't know that he would right. even see himself as being – you know, he's going to protect. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, because he's also got, you know, like one of the things that makes him and Tony's relationship so fun is he's got that same kind of ego where he's not going to be someone that gets called in by Tyler Hayward. That's so true. In phase two, the key difference was we had seen Ultron where we know the Avengers are in a facility operating as a team, like essentially taking phone calls. And, you know, like they said in Civil War, like, operating with unlimited power. They basically were going out doing things. But that's such a key difference here that gets me excited is we never saw Doctor Strange like leave his phone number and say, by the way, I'm an Avenger. Give me a call if something goes wrong. And the facility is destroyed and a ton of them are already in disarray. Thor's gone. The Guardians are gone. 
Bruce is damaged with his arm and is currently smart Hulk with an injury. Mm-hmm. Cap has retired slash gotten old and left. Tony's dead. I mean, it's not like there's that many people left to choose from. Yeah. What a fun discussion. I love it. I love it. And that kind of takes me into another comment, which is just Wanda's role in Dr. Strange. What do we think it's going to be? And that's actually fascinating because of what we just said. They haven't met yet. And they've already fleshed out the grief side of Wanda. So I don't think they'll go full-blown like Wanda's a villain in Doctor Strange. But I think it's going to be what I'm kind of saying, that if she's doing this like astroplane body thing and like doing this research, at some point, Doctor Strange is just going to sense her magic and realize he needs to meet this person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not that she'll be bad, but it's going to be like, okay, what's going on over here kind of thing. Right. I, 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 like I said before, I think it'd be really fun to have kind of like you said with the Sorcerer Supreme, like a mixed hero, you know, where she's kind of rogue and she's operating on her own in this mountain village or whatever. Right. But she's so powerful that you can't deny she's out there and you occasionally need her help, but you can't always trust her or, you know what I mean? I think that'd be fun. Yeah, no, I, I totally. And again, I love it that there really there does seem to be like an open runway here in a lot of ways so i i love how much like again in phase 2 we all knew that there was an avengers movie at some point i mean i feel like fairly early we knew that there was an avengers movie called age of ultron that was going to have all of the characters from the initial avengers movie plus some which means we know somehow we're going to loop back around to some other they're all back together as a team moment. But I I love that we really don't, I mean, we know that she's going to show up somehow in Doctor Strange. We know like a couple of things about characters that may or may not be certain places. But one, like you've, you know, importantly pointed out last episode, you kind of have to take a lot of that stuff with a grain of salt because, you know, we've been, (laughs) we've been led astray before by that. And two, that really doesn't give us that much. And I love that. Like, it's like white vision. It's like Monica Rambeau. Like I don't, I have no idea where this stuff's going. And I think that that's so fun. Okay. I'm going to really briefly read you a few other comments. You can give me like one sentence in response. Okay. Perfect. Cause I don't want this. To get the whole, we were going to do a short episode. And here we are. There's no <laughs> way this is going to be short. Um, it'll be really interesting to see, if Wanda does end up having some repercussions in society going forward, I agree. It'll be interesting to see how much does the rest of the world know about WandaVision, right? Was this an isolated bubble Hmm. thing where they never really tell the story of what she was doing? And so to a lot of people, she's just an Avenger hero that fought against Thanos, you know? So she may not have to face a lot of repercussions. Or does somebody like Hayward's camp leak this story and try to paint Wanda in an evil light like... Spider-Man Far From Home post credit scene with his mm-hmm. identity revealed. Is it more like that? Well, and you can imagine all of the people that were victims of this going to the press themselves. Right. Right. Okay, someone else brought up the fact that they thought Mr. Hart was actually probably dead. And well, I think I subscribe to that theory, too. I wow. really do. Yeah, it, I, I know that would mean a lot of weird things with Wanda's magic, but that maybe in that creation she was trying to create things to be better and more complete for people like for example maybe that Dottie wasn't married to that other guy i always forget his name but in this world they are or that mrs hart was in pain and missing mr hart and so in that burst of pain wanda created mr hart back hmm interesting i'm gonna have to think answer to that but yeah i thought that was kind of a fun theory Um, did you also catch a lot of people brought up that when Dottie reveals herself to be Sarah, that in the credits, it says her full name is Sarah Proctor, which is a shout out to an actual person in the Salem witch trials who was accused of being a witch, Sarah Proctor. Oh man. Yeah. Is that, is that a, that's a character in the crucible as well. Right. Which I guess would make sense. I think Um, so. And I think that's another little Easter egg wink, nod at us. Where she's yeah. not a witch, but they kind of misled us to think is she someone more than just a person? Oh, by the way, her name's Sarah Proctor. Ha ha. That's fun. That's really fun. Um, and then one of the last ones I read was, do you think Darcy's going to be in Thor Love and Thunder? 
And I think no, because I think it's going to take place off Earth. But what do you think? I I want to say, I, I think I, I read, and this could change, again, talking about not taking off off-screen stuff too seriously. But I think she said recently that she had not been contacted about that film, but that she is set to appear in some other MCU production. So I feel oh. like the fact that she said she's showing up again, but has said that she hasn't heard anything from them would, I mean, one, you know, she could still pop up in some small weight, totally. But I'm with you in that I'm tempted to think she, they're moving her in some other direction. And, and you know, maybe she'll interact more with, with Monica or, or Jimmy or something wherever we see them. Um, but, yeah. I, you know, I would like to see her just have another interaction with Jane yeah. and Thor. That would be kind of fun. I think it'd be fun for her to stay with the Jimmy team. You know, if we see Jimmy Woo in the FBI somewhere else, that he would call her maybe. I think that's yeah. a fun, fun idea. Um, lastly, on the WandaVision front, I got a chance to watch the WandaVision assembled thing, which yeah. is like the behind the scenes of it. Dude, it's, it's really good. I think I, for some reason more than most people just really get into the behind the scenes thing. Like I've said to you in the past, like I care about these characters on screen, but then I also want your off screen personality to kind of match. And I want to know that you care off screen as much as I care. And so anytime I get to see these behind the scenes and I, I see the level of care that these people have for this, it just enhances the whole thing for me. I highly recommend everyone to go watch it. Um, I mean, the first thing you'll take away is just even these kinds of episodes, like a behind the scenes is so well done. Like the music <laughs> is incredible. It's an hour long. I mean, it's very in-depth. I saw that. They go through, they kind of go through each individual like category. So they, they do stop by with um, the Disney writers, the songwriters. I'm blanking on their name, Lopez. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, they check in with them. They check in with Wanda. They check in with Paul Bettany. Um, they talk to Matt Shackman. It kind of just goes through each element, and it's really cool. I mean, even the music part, the the WandaVision theme thing, I think you'll really like. Um, a, a lot of people brought up that there's this similar motif in the theme. Boom, doom, doom, doom. Uh, hmm. And that they thought that was really cool that, like, you can find that motif in, like, all the different themes. Oh, totally, yeah. As a musician, I agree that's really cool, but... I was thinking to myself, that's that's where I would start. Like, if I was tasked to write a theme song for WandaVision, but it has to be different for each era, that's the first thing I would do is I would start coming up with a motif and then trying to find ways to, like, make it stylized. Right. And so, anyways, it was kind of fun to see them talk about that specifically. Like, he sits down at the piano, plays that theme, and then plays, like, different themes, the different mm -hmm. versions of it, just on the piano. I don't know. There was a lot of takeaways, dude. And then the last thing I'll say, like that you'll love, is the amount of care to make these things era specific would blow your mind. Huh. We said this on our episodes, but dude, they use like era specific lenses, they use era specific lighting, clothes, props, special effects, dude. Even to the extent that the audience is there watching the '50s episode, the audience was dressed like they were in the 1950s. Wow. Like that's something where it's like they don't have to do that. That doesn't show up on screen at all. And yet they're just but, trying to create this entire world where everyone's yeah. in the same era. And I, I think mean, the results show themselves in how high quality the actual episode is. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes me think, you know, back when I was recording stuff in Nashville, whenever we would record Christmas songs – you know, it was always generally like in the summer because we're getting them recorded and then getting them ready to release like mid-fall in time for Christmas. And so obviously it's hard to sort of get in that vibe. So we would always like crank the AC and we bring in like a mock Christmas tree and you just like kind of get into that spirit. And that's what this makes me think of where like it, it gets you in that right headspace where I do, you know, it's a small thing that they probably could have not done. And I don't know what the show would have suffered for it. But I do think it probably affected how easily Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen get into that mode and how immersive it felt for them, which I think does right. probably show up to us whenever we've talked about how well executed it is and how much they seemed bought in. Yeah. Go watch it. It's so fun. They talk about that a lot, too. 
like how different that was for them. Like think from their perspective, how different that is a live audience. Like, uh, uh, Elizabeth also was talking about how she kind of grew up with this because of her sisters. Hmm. Um, but Paul Bettany hadn't acted in front of a live audience in years. Um, it's just, there was a lot of fun takeaways and That's, way yeah. more than I can get into now. She also brings up her costume, by the way, which I love. She hmm. says exactly what you said word for word, which is that when she was making age of Ultron, they specifically told her like, here's your source material to read, but don't worry. You're not going to be wearing these outfits. You're not going to be wearing a leotard or whatever. I mean, she specifically said they told her that. And she said at the <laughs> time she was like, okay, that's fine. Like, this is kind of weird, whatever. And then she talks about how, and yet now come full circle, it's been so much fun. Like she loved getting into the Halloween costume huh. as kind of a play on that. And just how far she's come with this character and how far Marvel's come with this character to where they can do that. Basically what you said, but you should listen to her talk about it. it, 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 it again, there's way more than that. The the design uh, stuff, the visual effects stuff is all fascinating. It's amazing. Go watch it. Um, but now, before we close the book on, on WandaVision, we have to do my favorite thing. Oh, you ready? gosh. And my least favorite thing. Uh, uh, we have to rank it. We have to rank. So many people message us and say, are you going to rank it? Of course I'm going to rank it. Robbie hates it because he literally stresses over it for like an hour. I love it because I kind of just drop it and then I just see how it fits, how it sits with me. Right. You go first then, I think. No, 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 uh, no, no, no. You have to go first. You have to go first. No, you go first. I just (laughs) talked for a long time. You tell me your ranking. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole ranking spiel again. Just suffice it to say, this is going to be one that, I'm sure will change over time because it is so fresh. And I don't know that my rankings immediately after seeing any of these movies have ever held out, you know, years later. Uh, But. And, and let's just add that it's so difficult because this is a different format. It's TV comparing to the movies. Yeah. Which is so weird. And. This is, like you said, really fresh. Like this ended a week ago. All these other rankings we've had years to sit with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's tough. Um, but right now, you know, out of the now 24 uh, productions that we've gotten from Marvel Studios, I have WandaVision ranked as number six. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so do I exactly no number way. six. Yeah. Wow. We did not talk about this. I swear. That That's is so wild. funny. That actually we didn't even that prep makes each me other feel a little bit better. Wow. The other day, again, I I tweeted an image of I'm starting to come up with a list that's the most rewatchable, which I've realized is not the same as this list. Mm -hmm. I think this list I'm making is still kind of a melting pot of what I think is objectively the best done. Like, right. The goal it's setting out to accomplish, does it accomplish it and how well does it accomplish it? And I'm mixing in my personal favorite slash experience with that. And I'm mixing in a little bit of the rewatchability factor. But like with WandaVision, we don't know that yet, obviously. Like I wonder if this ages well a year from now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that a strictly rewatchable list is a little bit different. You know? Oh, for sure. For sure. But on my best MCU slash favorite MCU list, it is sixth. Man, it's, it is difficult, you know, because we've talked about this and it almost is like, you know, if we wanted to get really scientific about it, we could give like a certain number of points for just straight rewatchability and a certain number of points for what we think is maybe objectively well done. And so, for instance, you know, like that, that's where I struggle with something like Age of Ultron, where I, I just really do enjoy revisiting that, even though I think that it's clearly not as good as a bunch of other things that I, you know, have ranked above it, but some, you know, maybe a few that I've ranked below it that are better, but I don't enjoy quite as much. Um, but this one, it, you know, again, it's just so different. It, it oftentimes doesn't feel like the MCU that, that we've come to know, which I don't say is a bad thing, but it just, yeah, it is, it does add a whole new wrinkle into this. Uh, but for context, mine, that's what is, I was going to do, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not going to go through my whole thing, but just to kind of let I you know. I am going to, by the way. 
I am going to, by the way. <laughs> well, what's around mine, I just want people to remember, and this is, I think, pretty much the same, but my top two are Endgame and Infinity War in that order. Then I have Thor Ragnarok, which was one of the ones that I rewatched yesterday, and absolutely that holds up as my number three. Guardians of the Galaxy is my number four. Black Panther is my number five. And then WandaVision at number six, right ahead of Spider-Man Homecoming, and then Civil War, and then the Avengers and Iron Man to kind of close out my top ten. If you were just doing a list of what is the show setting out to do and does it do it, WandaVision would be maybe even higher. Like it accomplishes its goal, yeah. whether you like the goal or not, as well as any. Here, so here, here's kind of where I'm at as an update, and maybe we can share these lists again. I'll share a story or something of it um, at the FFW podcast. But I have four tiers, okay? Four I'm go tiers. from the bottom to the top. Hulk, Thor 1 are the bottom tier. I would classify these as like borderline – not good. Like this is the, you don't have to watch these. I don't want to say unwatchable, but they're right. they're not good. I don't get much enjoyment from them at all. Um, then tier three would be Thor: The Dark World, but that, as I've said before, to me is a big jump up from Thor One. There's a big mm-hmm. break there. Um, then Ant Man, Captain Marvel, Iron Man Two, Ant Man and the Wasp, Iron Man Three. That's kind of like my tier three. Okay. Then you get this big middle chunk. All these movies I'd grade out in like the 80s, for example. Uh huh. So I go Captain America 1 as the bottom of that tier, uh, which is controversial with you, I know. Guardians 2, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Age of Ultron. That's, that's the craziest one to me, but oh, we've okay, already oh, been down that road. I know we have, but that's not that low. At this point, I'm in the that's the dead middle, basically. Black Panther's the dead middle. Now right. I know that that's insane because you have four, but it's not like I'm saying it's a terrible movie. That's just kind of in the middle. Well, it's five. Yeah, it's five. It's five. Okay, gotcha. Black Panther, Age of Ultron, Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. So that's my middle tier. Then right there is where I say like top tier movies at this point. The bottom mm-hmm. of the top tier movies now going up is The Avengers, then Iron Man. Then Winter Soldier, then Homecoming, and then WandaVision at six. So that would mean Homecoming wow. seven, Winter Soldier eight, Iron Man nine. But yes, yeah, Civil War at five. That's it's Civil War, I think, still has more impact than WandaVision's gonna have, I think. Yeah. Um Thor Ragnarok four, Guardians at three, and then Endgame and Infinity War, which we have debated right. to death, which one's one, which one's two. So so I that's yeah. the Kyle Scornwell list. It's funny because I think you and I were playing a- around with the same movies. Ultimately, um, I mean, my so my Civil War currently is number eight, and yours is five. Uh, but I was I was really debating like, is how do I feel about Wandavision in relation to Homecoming and Civil War? Like, it feels like that level of quality, which is really high quality to me when we're talking about the MCU, but it's also so different. Like those, those three so things different. are so different from each other. I mean, I was, cause I was even talking this over with Candace and she's like, you know, one of the things that's so great about Spider-Man homecoming is just how funny it is and how kind of right. goofy it is. And it plays into the teen awkwardness and you've got like the, you know, the really great Michael Keaton performance and all of that is just really different than what we get in WandaVision. But ultimately yeah, I think that WandaVision just is such a bold <laughs> storytelling move that it had to get the slide edge for me. It's funny because Homecoming is built off the eliteness of the humor, and WandaVision is built off the eliteness of the sadness. Right. So, <laughs> That's so it's, true. it's literally the opposite. But for me, I went one spot over Homecoming because I wept in WandaVision. I don't think I felt emotionally the same way at any point in homecoming. And then I also had a chill inducing moment in WandaVision that I didn't get in homecoming. Now, by the way, they're still unbelievable, but those two things were like what homecoming did, but then dialed up 15% more for me. Those two feelings. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that, and that's why I think civil war was also difficult for me because civil war does give me kind of both of those things. Like it, it is, I, I think, I think Civil War actually 
has some really <laughs> funny moments, you know, that are that are not talked about a ton because of how great like the action is and how great some of the emotional core of that is. But still, you know, it's 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 still not to the like I didn't have a moment in Civil War that necessarily hit me in the ways that some of these moments in the last two episodes of WandaVision did. Uh, there mm. are moments that are close, but it's just kind of a different, I don't know. But again, you're right. I mean, <laughs> talking about the prisoner of the moment thing, I'm just going to have to, I'm going to have to step away from it. And like, I'm still so steeped in Wanda mode right now. Whereas right. I could totally see me a year from now, given how much I, I love the characters that are at the heart of civil war, maybe as much as any characters in fiction ever that those could easily wind up bumping back up above it. So, See, Civil War is probably one slight notch ahead for me because I still get that impact. I don't cry during it, but from the moment that Tony looks at Cap and all the buildup and says, did you know? Did -hmm. you know? Tell me. From that moment on into the music playing with the shield into the center of Iron Man's heart. Right. Um it still it still is moving for me. There's there's a lot of those moments still. So one notch up for me. Okay, dude. But that's all of Wandavision, and I can't wait to rewatch that and talk about that and see if that changes our rankings. But we have not much time to do that because the Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes out on Friday. Man, it's coming. This one's crazy because because for the longest time this was going to be the first thing. So I think that. You know, WandaVision, like we got that switcheroo to where it felt like that was kind of a gift that was coming to us a lot sooner than than we expected in some ways, or at least a bit sooner. But uh, yeah, Falcon Winter Soldier feels like we've been on the cusp of getting that and Black Widow, you know, for a long time now. Uh, and I, it's funny because I've, I've gone through different phases. Like at, at, I think right after Endgame, I was really excited for that one because I really, I really like that Cap Sam end scene. Uh, and this is obviously directly following up on that. Um, but then, you know, with WandaVision just being so different and then Loki being so different, uh, I think that this one has just kind of been on the back burner of, for, for me and I think maybe for a, a lot of people. What are you most excited for? I think um, what I'm most excited for is the direct follow-up to to Endgame. Because I think even as we were just having that discussion um, about where all these different characters are, I just realized I don't know what the world at large really looks like. I mean, we've gotten these mm. – we've gotten glimpses – through this, through WandaVision and through Far From Home, more so with Far From Home, I would say. But, like, I just realized there are all these, like, there are these dangling threads from the end of Civil War even that because, you know, the the last time, or the first time we saw these characters after that, Thanos was coming, so there wasn't really a ton of time to explain what was going on with with the Sokovia Accords then. And then, of course, like, you know, what we were just talking about even, even now. So I'm like, I really do want to see now what sort of environment these characters are now in Mm. as we're starting. Like, where does this leave Sam? Like Cap hands him that shield. But again, the last thing we knew, Sam was a fugitive. I mean, Cap was a fugitive. So that doesn't necessarily mean anything in the eyes of the government. So what does it look like to be Captain America whenever the American government may or may not even accept you as as being like a free man? Right. I think that's what I'm most excited about too. If WandaVision was the heart and the emotional follow-up to Endgame, Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see the head and the practical physical follow-up. Just like what you said, we don't really know. I mean, we've seen impacts of the snap and the coming back from the snap, and that's Mm -hmm. been so fun. But we don't really know everything else you said. Like, how much does the world know? Where are they left physically? How are they feeling about this? How do they view the Avengers? Do they know the whole fight with Thanos? Is that documented? Um, Are they going to be 
frustrated with Bucky or or uh, Falcon because, like you said, Cap was a fugitive kind of, or are they grateful? Uh, you know, we it looks like in the trailer we're going to get some kind of preview of a. Uh, how do I say it? It's like a false Captain America. Does does the government decide they need some kind of Captain America at all times? And is that is Falcon not that? Is he not good enough to be that? So I'm excited for the practical follow up. Right. Well, and and things that I also hadn't hadn't really thought through, but you know, watching these Legends episodes, some of the high, you know, without going through each of them because people. You know, it's not necessarily new content, and our folks, a lot of them have, have rewatched these. Um, but a couple things that stood out to me. One, I, I enjoyed seeing Bucky's especially because I feel like that's a story that has been, you know, like especially in Winter Soldier, they work to kind of inject that relationship with more meaning retrospectively so that you got more payoff in certain moments. And so I think you know, by the end of Civil War, there was more of a of a real strong emotional core to the the Cap Bucky thing than there was in what we really got in just Cap One. So I thought it was fun to see that laid out chronologically, even with them taking some of those flashback scenes that we got from other things. Uh and and then seeing sort of how far that relationship has come and just remembering that Bucky has a lot of the same he has a lot of the same things at play that Steve did when we ever talked, when we always talked about what Steve was wrestling with after being pulled into the modern world. Bucky's is different because he was, you know, pulled in and out at different times, but still this idea of like this guy that was, that's like a hundred years old being suddenly pulled into the future in this very jarring way that I think is, is still a fun dynamic. Um, But the other thing that I think stuck out to me the most was in the Zemo and Sharon Carter Legends episodes. Which by the, I didn't yes. even know we were getting those, by the way, uh, which was yeah, a fun surprise. Yeah, total surprise to me, too. Whenever I jumped Dude, on. Dude, I kind of forgot that Zemo's in this, and that instantly makes it more exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, so. well, I was I was going to say, I know that, that you know, in your list of characters that you get really fired up about, that Falcon and Winter Soldier might not be near the top, but I feel like Zemo is kind of near the top in terms of villains for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, when we did our villains power rankings, he was up there like 3 or 3 or 4 for me. But one thing I didn't really think about with Zemo and Sharon Carter is we don't know whether they were dusted or not. Right? Ooh. Ooh so maybe that's how Zemo gets out of jail. Exactly. That that's what dusted. I was wondering. Oh. Cuz what if he gets <gasps> dusted and then, you know, they move his his like whole little cell that he's in or whatever and then oh he just gosh, pops I back up thought about that. in like a free I space. I just got excited. I just right? got it's excited just, it, you did it. it I never thought about it. <laughs> it does just create, it, it opens some new interesting doors and I'm just really, again, I'm, I'm, it's a different, there's so many different ways of looking at what this event was and the impact that it had. And what would that even mean for other criminals? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I never thought about that. Yeah. So that, oh, okay, that got me excited because I would let you know, like I, I wonder if were they both dusted? What, has Sharon been kind of was was she made more instrumental because she was one of the few agents left with her kind of clearance? That's maybe one of the things that that practically speaking, I'm the most excited to see answered. Hopefully, in that first episode, no doubt. Um, yeah, it's funny because I do love lists and I love this entire Marvel Cinematic Universe so much. But with a list, there's always a beginning and an ending, right? So, like, if I had to list every character, every major character, I should say, that's on the board, my emotional investment in them, there would be the top of the list, right? I'd say probably Tony, um, Thor, Steve, right? So, like, I could go down that right. list. Wanda's up there now, as I talked about. Um, but there would inevitably be a bottom of the list. And that doesn't mean I don't like the characters, but if I had to make a list, I think Falcon and Bucky would be towards the bottom, if not the bottom of that for the major characters. And so what I'm hopeful for is that that can change. Like WandaVision changed that for me. I was, you know, Wanda was middle of the pack and now she's like a top five. Um, That's crazy. And And I'm kind of hoping that this show does that for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Because they've always just been 
side characters that I just haven't been as into. Yeah. And that can change. That can change. Yeah. So I'm excited. For sure. Especially with Sam to me, because we really, and, and that's that yes. was my takeaway from that episode, is that so much of his character specifically has been as kind of Cap's sidekick. The sidekick, exactly. He yeah. has made his role as being a sidekick. And now you're getting a chance to be a star. So and that's, we'll see. that's what I think is so, I love that because there, there's so much wrapped up in that in terms of like, there was even an awesome article that I would encourage people to go check out um, where they interviewed uh, Anthony Mackie ahead of this show and just kind of talking about the, the weight of taking this, this mantle sort of from Chadwick Boseman in terms of like the, the, the ability of, of representing the black community specifically like, you know, as Captain America, like there's just in light of the last year in terms of what's gone on politically, like there's just a lot of, of complicated stuff. I mean, you know, the shield has a complicated legacy is the line that we got in that first trailer. And I think just the fact that he did come in as just the kind of people made fun of him being the one that doesn't really have any powers. He just flies around and, he was just kind of Cap's wingman and just sort of a, a vessel for one-liners. And I th- that's why I thought that scene at the end of Endgame was so powerful because it would have made sense in some ways for Cap to hand that off to Bucky, right? Because like we talked about, they had a certain level of shared experience. He's got kind of the same power set as Cap in certain ways. But I like that they recognize that Sam more has like the soul of Steve Rogers and that same like I, I, I think we haven't gotten to see that really outside of Steve's shadow, which, you know, was cast so long that I think it could end up being a, a really, really powerful exploration of what it looks like for someone like that who, you know, was in the military and then a veteran and then was kind of, you know, leading people through processing this stuff, who's now processing the same kind of stuff in his own way as not just a veteran of, of the military, but also of the Avengers. Uh, I I think just the more I, I think about that side, I think that Sam might be, and we'll see how well it works out, but, you know, maybe the most under, underutilized character so far, no, which is not to say that the Russos or, or Marcus and McFeely did any injustice or made mistakes there because you just have limited time. But my point is, I think that there's maybe as much to mine there as there is anywhere. Uh, and that does get me excited. No doubt. The last thing that gets me pumped is I kind of like finding out where these movies sit in the timeline. You know, we talk about our rewatch order a lot. And so I think what we're going to do now is you would watch Endgame, and then when you're ready to move on emotionally, you would follow it up with WandaVision, then Spider-Man Far From Home. And Uh I'm always interested to see, like, where is this going to go? Is this while WandaVision's going on? Is this post-Far From Home, like a little bit later? Right. I know it was going to get released first, but where does it fall? And then, by the way, Black Widow will be the same thing. It'll be kind of fun to drop that one in later. And so I kind of love just like, you know, maneuvering these pieces around. So, oh, hey, totally. it's going to be new content. I, I'm expecting it to be amazing as far as visual effects go, as far as the action sequences go. And yeah. I'm excited to see how different of a change it is emotionally, twist-wise, from WandaVision. I mean, I know it's going to be practically very different, but let's just see what this, you know, we got a taste with WandaVision of what the TV shows are going to be like. Yeah. Now let's get a taste of what's it going to be like to immediately change to a totally different vibe. Oh, and then totally. by the way, immediately change to a totally different vibe with Loki after right, that. Again. So yeah. yeah, it's just going to be totally all over the map. Whereas in the past, like I said, we would have had to wait months for that, you know? Yeah. It's, it, this is going to be such a year of firsts in a lot of fun ways. And we are going to be thrown like, all over the map of the MCU, which is what makes it such a fun universe to be in. You like, you really never know what you're going to get and where you're going to wind up. And that's why it's so fun for us to watch. And it's also so much fun for us to talk about on this podcast and to talk about with you guys. And, you know, by the way, if you're just finding us, uh, welcome, first off. We've obviously just finished uh, going through all of WandaVision But before that, you know, we went through this entire rewatch of the MCU, kind of getting ready 
for this next phase. So we welcome you to, to go back through and listen to all that. And and you can also follow along with us on social media. We are at the FFW Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We are also at the FFWpodcast.com where we have that rewatch order laid out bunch of links where you can find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and a spot where you can contact us if that's your thing. We love hearing from folks. We love talking about all these crazy theories and and all of the different reactions uh, that you guys have to this stuff. No doubt. And we have a bunch of fun season two stuff still coming, guys. Not just these episodes, but some other fun little treats. So I cannot wait to share some of that stuff. But next week, Monday, as Robbie said, we'll be talking about the first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We cannot wait. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Friends from Work.